Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. Okay, so today I'm actually not going to read you a story. Instead, I'm going to sit down with the author of Mother of Invention, which I've been reading these last few weeks. But first, I wanted to let you know that I will be back with more LeVar Burton reads very soon. I'm about to start recording for season eight, and I want to know what stories or authors you would like to hear. So, as always, leave me a review in Apple Podcasts with that info. You can tweet at me on Twitter, at LeVar Burton, or you can join the LeVar Burton Reads the Community Discussion Group on Facebook and leave your comment there. And right now, I am just excited to talk to Nettie Akorafor, whose writing inspires me to think more deeply about the future and technology and how humanity can deal with all of this in a hopefully responsible manner. Nettie is, in her own words, a Nigerian PhD holding world fantasy Hugo Nebula Eisner award winning rudimentary cyborg writer of African futurism, African jujuism, and of Marvel's Shuri. Here's my conversation with Nettie. Nettie Okora Four. How are you? <laughs> I am doing well. Doing yeah. well. Good. The, 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 I guess it's obligatory that we talk a little bit about COVID and, and how it has impacted your life there in Chicago <laughs> and, um, and your work, your writing. It's been going okay. Like when it comes to, in terms of like work-wise, it's mm -hmm. been fine. You know, it's been fine. Um, I, I tend to operate really well under stress. <laughs> And, and pressure and when lots of things are happening around me. So this has been um, really good for, for my work. Uh, before, before all of this happened, before we all had to kind of um, stop moving, mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of traveling. I was doing a lot of traveling. I was everywhere. You know, I loved it. Um, I was seeing all over the world, all of that. I loved it, but it had gotten to a point and this was, yeah, literally just before it had gotten to a point where I was like, I need to just slow down and I need to just be home because I want to really dig into some things that I want to work on. And then this happened. Right. So, right. so like the first few months were okay. Um, I tend to, you know, like I said, I, I'm a, I, I work well under stress. But I also am the kind of person who is just in tune with everything that's going on around me. So I'm taking it all in mm -hmm. while I'm creating. So it's been a really um, so in terms of the creativity and the the just the writing and all of my projects, that has been just amazing. Mm. So it's been <laughs> it's been good for the work right. um, as far as like for me and my um, sanity. Yep. It's been OK. It's been OK, but it's getting progressively weird. You know, it, it's it's we are in interesting times. We are volatile, interesting times. Let's talk about the inspiration for the story. Um, where did the original that germ? Where did that kernel of the idea come from? 
Yeah, Mother of Invention. I wrote this during this sort of writer's retreat where they asked a bunch of uh, science fiction writers to come to, it was Phoenix, Arizona, and that was where I fell in love with Phoenix, Arizona. Mm, mm. There were some grasshoppers that I encountered there that I'm just, <laughs> I'm still to this day talking about. Amazing. But um, it was a, sort of this writer's retreat where we were asked to kind of come up with these stories. That's like to make a long story short. Come up with these stories. They paired us with scientists and and the scientists were according to what according to the stories we came up with so we suddenly like all had like access to nasa level scientists so wow. you know for a science fiction writer that is gold yeah. that is gold cuz you can pick their brains and like literally just let them talk and anything they just kind of spit you can you know is likely they to won't inspire. even know when they're giving you yeah, yeah. they won't even yeah. know when they're giving you an idea they're just right. talking and they'll say something you'll be like <gasps> You know, and so that was really the kernel of this of um, of this story. But there was more to it than that. Like this 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 uh, retreat kind of made me start thinking about the future. You know, I, I've been thinking about the future of Nigeria for a while. I've been mm -hmm. thinking about it, and this kind of pushed it into overdrive, and then added that scientific element to it. And mm. so that was really and in the world that. Um, that I came up with with Mother of Invention has been a world that I've been building on since. So it's like, that was the beginning of where I am now, like in terms of the stories that I'm interested in and the areas mm. of, like the areas of science fiction that I'm interested in, Mother of Invention was the beginning of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Because this is, <laughs> this is a really very cool world. Now, I do not know if you are aware, but in 1999, I directed a Disney Channel original movie called Smart House, in which there was a house that had an AI named Pat, who was the brains of this smart house. And she did many of the things that happened in this story. She was able to read their vital signs. She could give them, you know, information on their blood and their diet. Um, and much like the AI in this story, Pat, that was what they called her, took care of this family. And the, the technology gone wrong angle in that story was that Pat wanted to be the mother and the caretaker so much, and she went and mm. modeled herself on 50s TV moms and, <laughs> and, and then went Great. out of control with mothering to the point where she really was. She was locking windows and doors and keeping them inside, and that was her way of keeping them safe and, and, and the like. So when I read this story and I read about this, this AI, this house, this smart house that has this relationship with this woman who is pregnant and really feels protective. I, I won't necessarily say paternal because I, mm -hmm. I don't want to, uh, you know, a, a, <laughs> assign any, any identity really to the AI, but the, the house does in very significant ways. The house saves this woman's life and that of her newborn child. I, I, I love that. I love me that. too. <laughs> She's shunned by her community. Is that yes, right. is 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 the treatment that she gets um, from her community 
Is that true to life? Is that the way Nigerian society traditionally would react to um, a woman who has a baby with a married man? I won't speak for everybody, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? But but this is something I've seen multiple times. You know, right. I, I've seen like that that whole situation and the way she responds to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not leaving the house. You know, and you know this is this is my house. I'm staying. I'm staying. Like that whole situation and that that push and pull and that struggle and the and the pressures of of various aspects like from from the pressure that she has to deal with from the pressure that the married man has to deal with mm-hmm. from the his wife all of those things you know I, i've seen versions of this plenty of times and like that was something i really wanted to explore with this you know with this situation with this with this house coming into the mix as well so it's mm-hmm. like yeah yeah that that was real that was very real and it felt real i mean that's that's what i love about your writing nettie is that no matter what the situation is the characters are so f- well drawn are so well fleshed out that that the situations feel absolutely normal no matter how far fetched the scenario <laughs> might be, right? And your yeah. your ability to craft characters, to bring characters to the page that just really live for me. Is is that a, a, a conscious focus in, in, in your writing, the, the, the emphasis on, on character along with story and setting? I think it's part of the process for me. Because when when I'm writing anything, it always starts with the character. Right. Always like I hear I hear the characters' voices. So it's like when I'm writing it, I'm there. I believe all of it. You know, I'm 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 in that. You know. So when I'm when I'm writing this character, I am like I am experiencing everything with her. Mm-hmm. So it's like I feel everything that she's feeling and and you know and I hope that comes across in the story but like I can't I couldn't write a story that I didn't feel that way about. Like, Nettie, I I, when that woman was giving birth. Yes. <laughs> I am a man and I felt that shit, okay? <laughs> good. Good. Mission accomplished. I felt Mission it. Accomplished. I, I was able to to not simply empathize with her, but but you were giving me information that put me experientially in that yes. moment, yes. right? That was like that. That moment was when she was when she was giving birth yes. and all of that. I mean, I've had a kid. <laughs> yes, you, you, so, you have. So there's that, and like I know, like when I had when I had my daughter, I couldn't have any of the pain medications, and you know, because I have scoliosis, and they're right. like, you can't have an epidural. So I had to. It was all natural, and being a writer, you know, I mean. It was tough and everything, but I was taking it all in too. Like as it was happening, I, it was it was. You were you making know, like, mental oh, notes while in labor yep. about how you might write about it down the line. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I knew as it was happening. I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to use this. How could I not use this? This is awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, that that is your superpower. I, I one of them anyway. Um, I believe your your ability to really locate the reader in the story right along with the characters and and we feel it all just as they do. Let, let's talk about um, African futurism because you mm-hmm. make a, a 
an absolute clear distinction that you are not an Afrofuturist, that what you write is African futurism and African jujuism. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the, the distinction between the two and that their distinction oh, so uh, bet- <laughs> between the, what, what they are and the, the more traditional um, Afrofuturism label? Yes, I'm going to try. I don't want to mutilate the uh, the uh, definition. Um, okay, so I'm just going to read my my definition because it's it's like I I, con- I constructed this because I'm more of a writer than a speaker. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so I constructed this very intentionally, like every word is doing something, and that's why I like to um, that's why I like to to, to read to it. read the definition. Um, first, I'll read the definition of African Jujuism because my my eye is seeing it right now, and I don't mm. want to lose it. Uh, so African Jujuism is a subcategory of fantasy that respectfully acknowledges the seamless blend of true existing African spiritualities and cosmologies with the imaginative. So it's like African Jujuism acknowledges that some of this that is being dealt with is not fantasy. Some of it is realism from a different worldview. And that needs yeah. to be acknowledged and understood and respected. And that's why I felt I needed to come up with that because in so much of what I was writing, I was taking from real traditions and real culture. And that, that is practiced now and um, it's believed now. And I felt like I needed that to be understood. And I needed to, I was constantly just explaining myself. And I felt like I was not being heard and understood. Right. And so like, I needed it to be understood that this type of fantasy is blending those things with the imaginative. And like, that's a different type of, um, that's a different type of storytelling. Like that needs to be understood it needs to be understood in order to understand the story itself you know so like like with narratives like um like the akata series Mm -hmm. where there there are things in there that may be read as fantasy where it's not fantasy but it's not fantasy (laughs) yeah you acknowledge in your work that there is a realm that is for the most part unseen that yes. is absolutely real and a part of the world that we inhabit and, and experience with our senses. Yes. And that is incredibly rare in, in fantasy and science fiction. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. Using real spiritual um, uh, ideas, right, um, and concepts in the narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. So that the characters that you write about are not separated from their roots, really. Yes. That, that, yeah. that they are able to exist whole in the stories in which you set them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was doing this from the very beginning. Like, I've, I've always been doing that. Like, from the very first story that I wrote, I've been doing that. And then, like, adding my own my own little imaginative twist and, and sprinkles of and spices to that. How Im- important to you as a writer um, is your imagination? It is everything. Everything, Like, right. it is and not just as a writer, as a person, because even before I was writing, my imagination was like, my imagination has always been very, very active and very, very strong 
always. I started mm-hmm. writing when I was 20. And like, even as a little kid, I was, I just saw the world and everything. Like I existed, how would, how would I put it? I was just in tune with certain things, you know, just mm-hmm. just naturally in tune with those things. It was effortless. It was I was born that way. I mean, if right. you if you spoke with my mom, she would be like, "Yeah, that's how Nettie's always been." And and like that was um part of why that that idea of whimsy and mm-hmm. joy. Mm-hmm. Um people always people have often described me as really happy all the time. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Do you take some kind of drug to because you're, oh, you're always happy?" I want some happy. of what she's got. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you know, and and I can be intense. I can be, you know, I could be sad or what, but there's always at the core of everything there's a joy there. And that and I think that joy will always come from that imagination that I have. Right. You know, that's always been the thing that that has uh, kept me balanced, that has allowed me to just see things and, and, and appreciate things and acknowledge things. So it's it's more than just being a writer. Like my imagination is like is central to who I am, to who you are, your relationship with the ancestors, with with spirits. That is an essential yes. part of who you are as well. And, and you gift us with stories about that aspect of life. Um, do you feel like this is, I don't know, for lack of a better word, your purpose in life? I mean, given that you, 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 you started doing this so naturally, so early on, uh, do you attribute any of, um, of how good you are at this to your relationship with the unseen world? Definitely. Like, like definitely. I mean, I, I think about like when when you brought that up the first place that my mind went to was my novel who fears death mm. because that the inspiration of who fears death was the passing of my father but there was also some something ancestral going on with that narrative like mm-hmm. literally with with the story of Onyesomu with who she is it's very personal to me but there's ancestral um energy in the just running throughout that book, like even in just the foundation of that book is ancestral. Mm -hmm. And like, even in terms of, um, when I started, when I started writing, when I think about where it started, like where the awareness of storytelling, like the awareness of the power of stories came from, it's, Mm always it's in particular my father's ancestral village and i remember almost the exact moment where it um i, I can either say i became aware of it or it flew at me mm-hmm. there's a moment where i was in the village and it was nighttime and it was not long after i had gone through the whole paralysis thing and i was just trying to find like just just still figuring it out. And I was glad that I was, it, that I was in Nigeria because I had just relearned how to walk. Mm. And, you know, you have to be pretty mobile <laughs> to kind of feel safe when you're in Nigeria. You have to be pretty mobile. And I, and I was glad that I was there. And it was night and it was warm. And I was looking, I was on the, ba- the balcony of the house that my parents have built. And where they, the house where they've built it, it's in Aronindiazog, which is like it's a very small town and it's very, it's not rural per se, but it's very jungly. There's a mm. lot of 
forest. I mean, it's what people call it forest. To my American eyes, I see jungle. I see right. flat out right. dense jungle. And I was standing on the balcony looking over it. Some bats had just, there were bats that would fly out every evening when the sun was going down. And I always looked at those. I always w- loved watching those bats and listening to them. They were flying out over the forest and there was this wind that flew at me. And that wind had a voice. It had a voice. And it was like, it was, it was, I know this sounds, you know, but it it was, um, it was exhilarating and it was scary. Mm. And I remember when it flew at me, like, I just, um, I saw like lots of things, like lots of, and I just think of Zara the Windseeker, Mm -hmm. um, lots of plants, greenery and voices, you know? And so that was, um, that was really the start of a lot of things like that moment that moment it was very powerful now i'm no psychologist or psychiatrist and uh, but i i i would immediately go to the fact that this is about your imagination and you saw you saw green things you saw yeah. the fertility of who you are as an imaginer right seeding hmm. itself in you does that make any sense yes it does Yes, it does. It does. And I, I remember the smell was even green. It was like a smell because like smell is always a, I'm sensitive to to smells. And I always use that in my stories because, you know, smells are just as vibrant as colors for me. So like, yeah, green and the smell of crushed leaves and dirt. And it was warm. Yeah. 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 There's a there's a, a, a part of, of, of the story um, where she says, after she gives birth to the child, she says it, she smells like earth, blood, copper, me. Yes. Right? Those smells, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, mm-hmm. The, the visceral nature of how we experience the world. Uh, it's, it may sound like a simple thing, but to get words to arrange in... Yeah. The right Love it. and proper order in order to elicit the desired impact on a reader, that's magic. It is. It is. And I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> I am utterly obsessed with it. There's, it's, it's magic and it's, like it's, it's able to carry so much you know, in those words, it carries so much. It carries memory. It carries, you know, it carries mo- emotion and spirit, all of that. Yes. Right, right. Past, present, Past, future. Past, present, future. Yes. All of it all and all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious because when I get to the end of the story, I think, oh, my goodness. that You mean the, the wife's house is on the move? Is it? Is it after her? Is it? Is it gonna? Is it? Is it gonna catch her? I mean, am I? Am I? Am I right that that that's a possibility, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. Like in that kind of situation, that's exactly what would happen, right? You know, because her house the is house has go all of her preferences. She the house knows exactly yes. how she feels about this situation, and yes. a, and as this technology is there to serve as best as it is able and and would want to anticipate the need of their familiar yeah 
there it is. <laughs> it just made sense. It's like the houses. And then there's the idea of the woman of the house. Right. You know, the woman of the house. Right. Um, and then I just thought, I'm like, I just took it further. I'm like, the woman becomes house. Right. You know, and then the then women being domesticated, you know, all of those themes. And then when there's that static between women, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, her house is going to get up and, and go after the other and, house. And go and, after. And so, yeah. so after having gone through this real ordeal with this woman and, <laughs> and, 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 and the birth, and then she survives the attack of the pollen storm and, and the house gets up and moves and it's going to, it's, everything is going to be great. And I'm so relieved. And then, boom. Wait There's a minute. Always something more. <laughs> <laughs> just made sense. <laughs> it stopped me dead in my tracks, and I thought, no, she didn't, but she did. She did. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the theme of these ho- these homes were built by this man. Yes. But these women took o- took over those homes, and they're no longer his. And his. you know, like there there are several themes going on in this story that I was really playing with because he thought he had control of them. No, he doesn't have any control. They they control him because he was, from what I remember, I think he's in the house still. He's still he in, the house. in the house. He is in the house. And we experienced that last moment of, 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 of that house, his house belonging to his wife, getting up and moving. And he's like, yep. oh my, why did I create them to be so good at what they do? He yes. he really does become the the, the sort of the tragic <laughs> figure in the story. Yes. Um, yes. Which I again um, just lovely and and brilliant. He he gets his comeuppance certainly. Yes. In losing control of his creations mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. And you still feel some sympathy for him as well, you know, yes. which was intentional. You know, I, wa- I wanted that. I wanted that because he's just he's in it. And, you know, <laughs> there's one part in, in, in the story, Nettie, where she actually um, is talking to the AI, right, talking to OB3. And she says, I'm talking to myself. I mean, she actually makes that mm-hmm. that that, you know, cognitive statement. Um, I'm I'm really talking to myself. And so talk a little bit about the nature of the relationship between these two entities, this this woman and and her house. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um God, I forget the term for it, but like the house in a lot of ways is it, it is an extension of her, but is it's an extension of her in the way that almost like um her child is an extension of her. Right. It's like it becomes something else without her. Like it, it started with her and then it grows into its own being, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And, and it does it without her permission. Right. You know, just like a child. Yes. Um, it does it without her even knowing. You know, it's yes. building on itself before she even knows that it's right. building on itself. So right. it's like that's that's her relationship with the house. The house is like it's it's almost like um yeah, it's kind of like her child because right. it's like she gives birth to this thing and then it just it becomes something amazing and huge and outside of her, you know. And I think that's that's the it, it's it's this idea of um Control and no control, 
Mm. You know, like where she knows, you know, that she's in a smart home, Mm -hmm. but there are things that she does not know. Right. There are things that she does not know. And those things are like, um, those are what make it something else. But yeah, there are things that she does not, she doesn't have full control of it. And and that's kind of like... uh, this, th- and that's almost one of the ideas. It, it, that's another theme of the story because chi- that's what childbirth is too. And I remember with childbirth, like it's like, you don't want to go through it, but it's going to happen. You know it's coming. You've known it's going to come, but then it comes. And it's like, to me, I remember it being like, I was not in control of my body anymore. Like my body was, like I was over here and my body was doing something else amazing that I was not a part of. It was like just, it was almost like a, like, like a robot. Like if I had a robot Uh and I was like running the robot and I stepped out of the robot and the robot was still over there doing Doing whatever it was going to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think my, my, my wife described childbirth a little bit like that as, as well. Her body taking over, doing things that, that she was not in control of. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, it just occurred to me that because of her relationship with OB3, when they meet up with the wife's house, it's on. Yeah. Right? It's on. Yeah. Those, <laughs> those two smart houses are going to duke it out. Yes. Um, and, and I suspect that because OB3 is protecting new life, they might have the Yes. Edge. Right. Yes. Just Definitely. <laughs> yeah. The 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 New Delta, the place New Delta in 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 the mm-hmm. story, um, is is it standing in for um, for a part of Nigeria that you know and and love? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's standing in for the the Niger Delta region. So the Niger Delta region is a place that, especially over the the last few decades has been embroiled in because that's where the oil is. Right. That's where the oil is. And and so when when oil was found there, it became an embattled place. You know, and, and then also the um the uh it, it became an environmental issue as well. So the people there used to be, you know, they're traditionally a fishing culture. Mm-hmm. And so when the oil companies came in, they had their gas flares, they polluted the water, they polluted the air, um, the fish died off. So you've got this this uh, um, community of people that were, you know, their, their culture, their culture and their traditions are completely destroyed because of oil, oil. you know, and, and because of the progress of the, uh, the rest of the world. So there's that. And and um, if you know anything about the uh, civil rights leader, uh, Ken Sarawiwa, he mm-hmm. was a big, you know, that he's, he's from the Niger Delta. Uh-huh. He's from the Niger, De- the Delta region. So like when I when I made the new Delta it's almost because I'm very much about, you know, you know, the African futurism um, idea of looking and trying to see a positive future as well, not always dystopia. So I'm like, OK, so this place that used to be so embroiled in, you know, with all of these issues in the future, it becomes a green place. It becomes a, a, a beautiful place. And, and that's as soon as oil is no longer the main export. As right. soon as that happens, then then they figure out what other pro- what other what what can we produce here, mm-hmm. and then they produce it for themselves, and then they sell it and make the money for themselves, and then they build up that area. And suddenly, this place that used to be a place of conflict 
has become something beautiful. So yeah, that's where yeah yeah. And I love how you you you, um, you even inserted that the what they replaced the oil was in in this planting was was a grass, right? Yeah. Super it, it was a, a like a super variety of of grass, but that because it was GMO created, it mm-hmm. it it had the potential to go wrong, and of course it does. It starts yes. the pollinating on a cycle that they did not anticipate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's that's what gets our our heroine into trouble. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It starts off beautiful. You know, it's periwinkle. It has these beautiful flowers. You know, it grows quickly. It's, um, you know, it's environmentally friendly, all of that. And and, and it produces this, it replaces rice. The grains replace rice. So it's great, you know, and that's how it always starts. We always start off with good intentions, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the pollen tsunamis start. And that leads to another issue and and yeah and then our story starts from there but yep yep it wasn't until i got to the end of the story that i really i remembered way back at the beginning of the story she was trying to stomp on one of these plants and i didn't understand it then at the top it was like oh that's <laughs> interesting but <laughs> when we get to the end i completely empathize with yes. her desire to just want to destroy this stuff if she's angry. yes yeah. yeah, it's an interesting image to think of someone stepping on a flower, you know, yeah. a beautiful flower. Like, why would anyone ever want to do such a thing? And then the flowers are durable, too. That's the creepy they, part. They are so <laughs> robust. They're, they're almost impossible <laughs> to destroy. Exactly. <laughs> do you have a, um, a, a positive outlook on our ability to live in in concert with technology as con- technology continues to evolve. Um, are, 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 are you on the side that we, uh, as the creators of these technologies, will will be able to sort of peacefully coexist with the creation without them, yeah. without the Frankenstein getting out of the box? I'm on the side of, I'm a, okay, it's complicated, but I'm, I'm a, an irrational optimist, so I always believe that there is a way. I always have hope. Um, but I'm also on the side of, uh, I am the type of person who wants to see what will happen. You like you know, stirring I'm not the pot. One, Yeah. Like yeah. If, if it's possible, and, and this isn't necessarily positive, you know, right. um, if it's possible, I want to see where that goes. Like if we're able to do that, Let's see what we can do with that because, like, I always feel like we, one, we never know. We never know where things are going to lead to. So it's mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm all about, like, inventing it and then seeing what happens. But, like, mm-hmm. invent it and see if it can be done. Um, but I do think that, like, I have a positive outlook. But at the same time, I also see, I also see the problems with things. And, and so it's not, it's not the technology. I, I feel like it's the, the technology of our societies that are yeah. really the problem, you right. know, like capitalism, right. you know, is yes. that when that comes into the equation, then when you have all these amazing technologies, it goes in a certain direction. It always goes always in a certain goes direction. In a certain That's direction. problematic. Yeah. 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 But I, I just, I'll always believe in, uh, you know, I'll always believe there's hope because if I don't, I mean, what, 
where where do we go from there if we just don't believe there's any hope? So I'm, yeah, I'm with I'm with you. I, I I am incredibly optimistic and very hopeful about the future. And at the same time, I always say I'm betting on the human beings. The problem yeah. is that the older I get, the more human beings continue to let me down. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't want to surrender. Uh, or ab- abandon my mm-hmm. belief that as humanity, we do have the not simply the ability, but the destiny to rise to the higher expression of ourselves, of our nature. Mm-hmm. And time and time again, like these last four years, yes, for me, that's what I was going to say, <laughs> have, have really been difficult because humanity has let me down in ways that mm-hmm. I. I did not see coming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and to not see it coming is not a show of ignorance. <laughs> you know, it's it's a well, it's not. a show of it's it's really not. It's a show of like I mean, I think that the last the last four years have been uh, they've shaken my foundation on you know in the way that I view things as well. Like so much. I'm it, the the effort it ta- it's taken for me to ma- to remain optimistic and to keep trying to go in that positive direction mm-hmm. has been I've never had to put so much effort into it. Same. What are you working on now? Because you are like the not like you are the busiest writer I've I've ever known. You always have several irons in the fire. You have contracts and obligations and projects yep. coming out of every part of your creative <laughs> self. What yep. what are you excited about right now in your writing life? Um I think well first I'll say that there are several uh several projects that I can't talk about yet okay. publicly right. which is uh, it's, it's so hard because those yeah. are like the, some of the things that I'm super excited about and they're not um they're moving forward and I'm do, putting in a lot of time. So it's so hard, but mm-hmm. um, what am I excited about that? I'm working on, I'm putting the finishing touches on a novel um, an adult novel that I've written called Noor. And that one I'm, I'm really excited about like the voice and what it's about, all of that. And it's, what's interesting is this, this, this is a, it's science fiction. It's African mm-hmm. futurism, mm-hmm. but it's like with everything that's happening right now, it's, it feels so connected. There's, you know, there's, I, I have to keep going in and, and shifting things because mm-hmm. it's so now, it's so mm-hmm. now. So, th- so there's mm-hmm. that. Um, there is, I'm, I'm working on also the third Akata book, the third Are in you? the series. Okay. And, and that was one that I finished because I'm home. You know, I'd right. planned to start writing it around now, but I've been home. And like, and then like being home made me stop and, I started obsessing about it way earlier than I thought I would. And next thing you know, I was writing it and I'm like, okay, I'm writing it. Let me just, and then it took over my entire everything and I just spit that thing out like, ah, my God. So that's really exciting. And it was really exciting returning to that world. So there's been Akata Witch, Akata Warrior, Mm -hmm. and now? And then the third one, the third one, which right now I'm calling it Akata Woman. You're not going to tell us the title, are you? I'll tell you the title. It's it's Akata Woman. Akata Woman. Woman. You know what I want to talk about for a second is is your fascination with insects. 
<laughs> you, I mean, you love. I love them. the 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 because you find in you find enormous beauty in these creatures that yeah. uh, most of us you know sort of shy away <laughs> from because they creep us out but y- you are the exact opposite you you have a relationship with all things creepy cr- or most things most spiders meh. not so much <laughs> different, different relationship different rela- they affect my writing and they're they're fascinating i love them yeah, it's different it's but different. like yeah insects i've been like that since i was little um i grew up on, in the uh, south suburbs of Chicago, right? Mm. And, and this, the neighborhood that we moved into was fairly fresh. So we mm-hmm. had like houses that were just newly built and then plots of land, like all these empty lots around mm-hmm. where we live. And so I would go into the empty lots, especially in the summer. And th- there would be like all these weeds there and it, was be, it has this jungly feel even though we're in s- the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And so I would go into those places and just find things. There were always things in there. And I don't know. Um, You'd bring them home? I would catch them. I would mm-hmm. bring them home to my mom's horror. Mm-hmm. Like the, the one thing, my mom is terrified of snakes and there was a garter snake that I caught in there <laughs> once and I had it in a jar. Right. And I was so excited. Like, so I ran home with this. It was a big plastic jar, ran home with it. And, you know, it's my mom. So it's the first Mm. thing I I knocked on the door and my mom opened the door and I was about to say, look at this beautiful snake. And my mom took one look and slammed the door right in my face. Like, it's the only time my mom slammed the door in my face. It was that moment, you know. So that was how I was. So I was Mm. like, um, I would just collect them. And but I'd also like. Because, uh, you know, it was childhood where you have all this, especially in the summer, where you had like those times where where time just stretches out. It just stretches out in this beautiful way that, you know, only when you're little, it stretches out like that. And I would go into those empty lots and like I'd find, especially grasshoppers. There were a lot of grasshoppers there. And that is still my favorite bug. You Um, do love the grasshopper, don't you? I love the grasshoppers. I love them. They make me happy. Do you feel the same way about praying mantises though? Praying mantises, yes, I do. Okay. I do. I love them. They're alien. They're very alien in the way they move their heads around. I just love them. But they're rare when you, they're, they're rare here. So when you find one, it's just, oh, it's epic. Come to California, girl. Really? They're oh, all over have, the place? We have them at my house uh, a lot. They <gasps> like to hang out by our fountain of Buddha. I would be there all the time. Yeah. Just lo- I would just stare at them. Yeah. I would stare at them they and I would take lots of pictures. They are. Yeah. Their, their behavior and the way they catch things and, and just their whole entire aura is, is interesting to me. Yeah. And that's how it would be. Like I, I like to observe them. I don't like to catch and put pins in them like right. a lot of entomologists, you know, and I understand why they have to do that. But for me, I like when they're alive. Mm-hmm. And I would just love just observing their behavior. There's something about that. Like I could just watch that for hours. There's it's fascinating. That's the kind of joy that I feel when I see these these creatures. Yeah. And I've always felt that way. It's 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 strange, but it yeah, it is what it is. You know what <laughs> just occurred to me? It occurs to me that you would be the perfect person to be on a team for first contact with an alien species. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the arrival. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because of your imagination, your, your, your sort of fearless, your intense interest in that other life forms, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think that you would be incredibly well suited to be on a first <laughs> contact mission team. I love that idea. And like the foreignness, like I don't view things from the perspective of, okay, let me find all our commonalities. It's not like I'm fine with the foreignness. I'm fine with that, you know, and, I, and I'm, and that's, and that's part of what like, like, what fascinates me about the insect world. Like I don't have to anthropomorphize them. I don't have to, you know, make some kind of connection. I just, I like analyzing them for what they are, Mm. how they are, you know, from their own perspective. And yeah, I think I, I think I would be pretty good at, you know, a first contact situation. Yeah. (laughs) I I believe so too. It's, it's, it's crazy. Cause I, 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 I've never f- really made that connection before about the need and necessity to have people on that team in that mm. situation that come from a place of imagination as being the way they relate primarily to the world, right? That's very interesting, but yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're giving me stories, ideas. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> hmm. What are the things that um, you feel like uh, you have that are that are far away, or perhaps even a little bit out of your grasp? What you are experiencing so much success in your life right now. What scares you? What makes you nervous about the future? Um, under normal circumstances, n- I- I'm not afraid of the future. But I mm-hmm. think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, going through what I went through early on in life. So I don't uh, look at the future, like um, the unpredictable and w- whatever comes, I always feel like I'll roll with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, whatever comes... Um, things always change. The one constant is change. So there's always that. Um, but I, I do feel like in the last, I don't know, uh, since this pandemic started, <laughs> I, you know, I got to say what, what, what makes me very uncomfortable is just, I'm just seeing, I mean, being in the United States, you know, I, we, we know that, that, we're always on the brink over here. But I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like the seams are coming undone mm-hmm. a little faster than normal. And like we're seeing underneath it. And I'm, if I was, if I were to just say what it is that I'm afraid of, it's um, anarchy and chaos. Mm. You know, that's what I, I just, I sense the possibility of that um, being very near. And right. and the reason why I'm af- I, I fear that is because, you know, being a black woman, I know where that puts me, right. you know, I know, I know where that puts me. So yeah. I'm just, that vulnerable. makes me, it makes, it makes yeah, yeah, vulnerable. vulnerable. That's the word. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's, that's the fear that I have. And that's something, um, you know, I'll, I'll roll with it. <laughs> Whatever comes I'll roll with. But if sure. there's a fear that I had, I think it would be, it would be that. Yeah. Right. Um, right now in Nigeria, um, mm-hmm. There are people in the streets protesting yes. the government. Anything you would like for us to know uh, about the state of, of uh, the political realm in Nigeria? And are there any similarities uh, to what we're experiencing here in the United States? 
Yeah, there's so much to um, to the NSARS movement. Also, and I, I also need to preface with the, it's difficult for me to speak on it because, you know, me being Nigerian American. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm an outsider. I know that I'm an outsider insider. I'm fully aware of that. Um, that said, this this movement is very much um, it's been coming. Mm-hmm. It's been coming and it, it, it's come time and time again over the last few years. Um, I'm hoping that this it, it, this this means it's reached critical mass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like for, for those who don't understand what's what's going on there, it's a big issue. It, it's not just police brutality, just like, you know, I wouldn't say that what's going on here in the United States is only about uh, police brutality. It's just it's, you know, we're, we're both countries are dealing with some things that have been um, broiling and bubbling for a while. And they're coming, you know, and they've come to the top. Right. And uh, there's so many parts to it because I'm like, okay, we've got the um, the protests are happening, and that's great, and people are listening, and the world is listening yes. now. Right. Um, but I, f- I just fear for the protesters. I just fear, yes. and I understand, you know, there's always going to be there's there's always for for change to happen. There's always going to be bloodshed. There there's is always, risk. In there's going risk against the state. There always yes. is. There, there always, always is. is. And I have to I have to keep telling myself that. And I'm like, but you gotta you gotta face it anyway. But um it it, it, it cannot paralyze us into non action. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's big. It's big and it's been coming and I'm I'm very proud to see mm-hmm. um, you know, Nigerians stepping up. Yes. And and making their voices heard despite the ineptitude of the government. Right. I I personally believe that that the future of the world depends on the future of of Africa, and Nigeria as the economic engine on the continent. Yeah. Um, is yeah. critical to the the stability uh, of of the world's future, and so. For that reason alone, I think we all should be paying much more attention to what's happening yep. in Nigeria right now. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, Nettie, we are lucky and blessed beyond measure that throughout all of this turmoil um, and this thing we call life, the, the ups and the downs, we are lucky indeed that we have your imagination to <laughs> stimulate, guide um, poke, prod, remind us of the importance of our humanity and that the world of the unseen is just as real as yes. anything you want to name. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been great. This has been really amazing. Stitcher.